0: Amazing opportunity to uh, watch commercials, right? Yeah, but you know, thankfully, there's occasionally when we're watching TV and a commercial comes on. They occasionally will have a a commercial that like entertains you, right? It's not not just pushing their product on you, but they actually have sometimes a commercial like, yes, now that I will sit and enjoy for 30 seconds. Thank you that is something that is you know i can laugh at i can you know connect with and uh let's do this right you know uh, so often the commercials are not bad but on occasion there is and uh, so here is one of those commercials i think you will recognize this So <laughs> Performing a triple top over the years. <laughs> That's okay. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easy button for life? Now there's one for your business. It's Staples. That was easy. <laughs> Buy your products from Staples. <laughs> what do I have to say? Uh, No, anyway, great commercial, right? I mean, it's We've got a lot of different commercials like this, you know, that they, you know, expanded on this. I think this was like one of their first ones that they came out with, with this easy button, right? And so much so that now you can actually buy one of those easy buttons, right? It, it doesn't necessarily work or do anything, but you can put it on your desk or at your home or wherever. You can push that button anytime life gets difficult, right? But, but at the end, right, it's like, wouldn't it be nice if there was an easy button for life, right? Because life can be real challenging. But, but I think what this commercial is appealing to is something in our culture that has kind of developed over its lifespan to the point where, you know, we're, we're always kind of looking for, to make things easier, right? It's like, you know, life is difficult, or, or business is difficult, or, you know, purchasing, you know, office supplies is difficult, and so, so we want to make that process easier. Uh, Consider even, you know, I mean, like restaurants, right, I mean, a long time ago, restaurants, when they first came about there, you know, it was more of a kind of a sit-down thing, right, you would go to the restaurant and you'd get a seat and there'd be someone who'd come and serve you or whatever, and maybe you'd order stuff at the counter, but someone would bring that to you, and and so it was more kind of a, a, you'd sit down and enjoy a meal together, and then, you know, fast food showed up, right? And fast food is like it's all about getting it out fast, right? So you go to the counter or whatever, or maybe it's a drive in, right? You, you go and you don't even get out of your car. You're just going to sit in your car. You still get maybe served a little bit, but it's a, the idea that a little bit quicker. It's about getting it faster and easier, and then of course, drive through. Windows. So you had drive ins and then you had drive through windows, right? Where you could, don't even have to go in the restaurant, don't have to sit in your car and eat. You can just drive through, grab your food, and you're gone. Like, right? and McDonald's mastered this, right? I mean, they're so fast, right? Most of the time. Well, I'm mostly getting slower. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, yeah, it's like, you know, you get in the car, you go through, you order your food, and by the time you get to the window, it's there for you, and you're gone, right? It's amazing. And then now, right? I mean, they have delivery.
1: Right? I mean, it used to be just like
0: pizza was delivery. right? I mean, that was part of the great thing about pizza. You didn't have to leave the house. You just call them up and they would deliver pizza. And if they didn't have it there in a half hour, you got it free. And so you're like putting roadblocks and stuff. But anyway, it was great, right? It was pizza. It was good. But, but now it's like you can get Taco Bell delivered, right? I mean, everybody's delivering. And they have these services now that you just call them and say, hey, I want to go, go get me some, you know, whatever. And they'll go get it, right? And it's amazing. That you know, but it's all about this kind of ease, right? We don't have time to run to the restaurant to get the food, and so you're just going to sit in your house and make a phone call or get online an app or whatever, and, and you get the food pretty quickly. Consider shopping as well, right? Uh, it used to be that you'd have these big, you know, uh, stores that you would go to. I, I remember as a kid going to Bellingham, the Bon Marche, right? I mean. That was a huge building and as a kid my mom would take me in there. Oh my god, that's the worst day of my life. I hated clothes shopping day, right? And to the feel about you know it just was always too warm in there, right? I don't know why I always kept it so wet, but it was always too hot. And so I'm like sweating and it's hot to feel ugly, right? And see, but they have all this clothes so that you can kinda, you know, you can if you're a woman you can get clothes. If you're a man you can get clothes, if you're a kid, you can get clothes, and it's just they're all there. But, but that, that wasn't good enough, and so then we created malls, right? So now you don't have to get in your car to go to the next store. Now you just park your car, and you've got all the stores, clothes, stores, or anything else you want, even restaurants, made, malls. It just made it easier for us to shop, of course, now, most recently, we've got, you know, Amazon, right, <coughs> online shopping, right, where you, you don't even have to leave your couch, right, and, and, and this is why brick and mortar stores are going by the wayside and they're starting to close because so much shopping is being done online. My daughter is, like, amazing at Amazon online shopping. I mean, unbelievable. She is so good at it. And the reason I know this is because somehow she's still on her Amazon account. I don't know what's going on there, but she needs to start paying uh, some extra money or something. But anyway, Roach, she, it's, it's amazing. I'll get an email that says that I purchased something, but it's going to some address in Texas. So I'm like, oh, no, that's my daughter. Okay. But anyway, and then like three or four days later, I'll get another email that says that that product that they just, she just purchased is now being shipped back. Right? So she'll like, order some shoes and they'll get there and say, oh, no, they don't fit or no, I don't like those. Put <laughs> them back in the box. And she just like, has no problem with that. And I know the younger generation. This is how we shop. Right? This is what we do. But, uh, so all of it, though, is about more convenience, right? Being quicker and easier to get your stuff. So you don't have to disrupt your life to do these things. You, know? you can just make it, make it happen quicker. And although there's some good things with that, we as a church as well have had a tendency to allow culture to influence us in our perspective of church. And we, have, we, we want church to be easy. We, we want Christianity to be easy and convenient. And so even consider church service attendance on a Sunday morning, right? It, it used to be that you would, you know, church was all day affair. You would start in the morning with prayer and then you'd go to the church service and then after the church service there was a potluck where everybody hung out and you had a meal together. And then after the potluck, you might have a chance to maybe go home and change your clothes, but probably not because you gotta be there in another hour or two for evening service, right? And and then after evening service, yeah, yeah, it's a good long day, but then Wednesday came about you better head back to the church because it's prayer meeting day, right? You know, so you know, that's what it used to be. And, and then it kind of morphed into something a little bit different where it was, you know, you would go to church in the morning and then you would leave after church and you would maybe go to a restaurant with your just immediate family, but not with the church family. And then you'd come back that evening for evening, you know, church, the Sunday evening church. And, and then Wednesdays would be like, eh, well, you know, if you had time. And then it became, well, just Sunday morning or Sunday night. And then, of course, to fast forward to today, where, you know, is there a Sunday evening service anywhere in the country? I don't, I don't know. Maybe there are a few churches that still do Sunday evening service. Uh, but, it, and again, this is not a, necessarily a criticism of the culture, but it just shows that we're, we're having less and less time spending together. And the reason that churches don't do Sunday evening services anymore is because no one comes to those anymore. We've we've filled our lives with other things, and so now, in essence, we are looking for an easier and more convenient way to have church, and we're trying to stuff that into two hours or an hour and a half on Sunday morning, instead of having it be something that took all day long. The church, again, is, we're being influenced by our culture, being influenced in allowing the perspectives of the culture to impact the way that we do church, and this is what Paul is teaching against. He's writing to the Corinthians and saying, look, you guys are, in, you are enculturated. You are taking cultural perspectives and you're putting those into a church context where they don't fit. This is not about being able to stay relevant with a culture. This is about letting the culture transform the way that you do church and what you believe about God and what you are communicating about God. And so Paul last week talked about the realities of God's sovereignty in regards to growth that we, we can't be focused on outward appearances in order to generate that growth, in order to say, look, we're a successful church. Instead, Paul says, no, we just need to be those who are planting seeds. And the seeds that we plant are in relationships with God, relationship with each other, and in relationship with the world. He then changes the metaphor, and this is what we're gonna be looking at this week, is changes the metaphor from a field or planting to now building a building, a build on a foundation. And, and so let's read this passage real quick uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 23. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are <coughs> God's temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all (coughs) are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Paul starts with the second metaphor that he uses with Jesus being the foundation, we got a bad battery. No, it's brand new battery. Why is the connection just a bad connection? <coughs> Testing one, two, okay. All right. So Paul, again, begins this new metaphor with this important perspective that if we're going to build a building we need to understand where the foundation lies and the foundation lies in Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus is the foundation of the church. And this has three ramifications I see. And first of all, to understand that the church exists because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Without The resurrection of Jesus. Without Jesus' life and death, we would not have the church. It would not be here. We would not have this place, this building. God, even Jesus created this. That's really annoying. (laughs) Sorry, I can go without. a him that we have a church. We wouldn't have a church without Jesus, right? Even Trinity Alliance Church, it didn't, it didn't come about simply because a man stepped in and said, you know, hey, I think it would be a really good idea to plant a church, right? It's not because Neighborhood Alliance said, you know, I think it's time for us to plant a new church. Now, certainly that was part of the process, but there would be no church without Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Yes. Second of all... This has ramifications in the sense that the church is the body of Jesus. We are the instruments that Jesus are that God is using in this world. It's not just man's work that's happening here. This is not just a place where we get together and have a nice social club and interaction together. It's not just a nice group of people that are hanging out together on Sunday mornings. We are a really nice group though, aren't we? <laughs> But, but, you know, it's more than that. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet and the voice and the mouth of God who is interacting and caring and loving this world. It's through us that that happens. Finally, the church, the church's purpose is Jesus. The church's very purpose is Jesus. It's Him that we proclaim. It is the gospel message that we communicate to each other and to the world. Jesus is the reason that we exist as a church. Jesus is the body. We are Jesus, the body of Jesus. And the message that we proclaim is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We get that, right? And so the question has to be asked then, if Jesus is the foundation, what are we building on that foundation? And this is the very question that Paul brings up to the Corinthians and I would say to us today. We can build with materials that are easy to use. Wood is pretty easy to use. It can be cut in a lot of different ways. It can be different in a bunch of different colors. It's amazing what you can do with wood. Hay and straws, you know, not too difficult to work with those things either. they you know pretty bendable and pliable, and you can use them for a lot of different things. And They're, they're pretty easy to manage. They're cheap. They're prevalent. And, you know, they're understandable. They make sense. We can, we can make this work. But they're also perishable. And they're also temporary. They're things that when they face the fire will burn up and burn up quickly. Too many churches seek to build with these materials through first of all building their name. We as a church can be focused on building up our name to create a, a, a sense that you know a respect for the name Trinity Alliance Church. that, that, that we be focused on the appearances of what we look like on the outside that, that we look like a good church. That we we look pious. That we look like, you know, we've got all our sin kind of taken care of. (laughs) That we manage our behaviors. And the result of this is what we call, what I would call, easy change. Church filled with lots of small groups and lots of Bible studies. Lots of experiential worship. But with little silent prayer. Little intimate conversations with God. Very little time where truth is understood at a deeper level than just in the head. And real, and actually little change. Very little actually changes in the church. Another way we can build is by building our kingdom. We can build our kingdom. We can build this kingdom, this TAC kingdom. We, we can attract all kinds of people to come to be a part of this kingdom. I mean, it, it's a really good, Jesus is who we proclaim, right? He's the name, but boy, it's, it's, this is about this kingdom here out in between Reading and Bella Vista. Create, uh, looking to increase the number of people who are here by attracting those people as much as we can to, to come and be a part of this. But we are looking for certain target groups. We, we have certain groups that we want, and we want to get younger, and so we're going to target young people, young families maybe. So we put those out there, and this is our target group. These are the people we're trying to attract, and so all of our programs for reaching out is, is all about trying to get those people to come to this church so that we can build this kingdom, a church that ends up looking all very similar to each other. In other words, we look around the room and everybody has the same perspective. Everybody kind of believes the same thing. Everybody kind of gets along and in part of the same industry. And everybody, and it becomes this homogenous group. The results of building our own kingdom is a lot of advertising, a lot of amazing strategies for growth, a lot of hype, but very little intercession. Very little connection between the members of the church. Very little unity and honesty. <coughs> we can also build on the foundation of Jesus by building our fame. We can build our fame to make, again, so that people would know our name and our family to, to have enough influence in this world, to, to know that the community looks to oh man, that TAC church, that Trinity Alliance, boy, they do a lot of great things in the community. I mean, look at their street ministry, or look at their latchkey program, or look at their, you know, Bible study, whatever it may be, but it's all, all about influence. The, the, the people would know that we are having an impact in this community, and then when they see that impact, they know it's Trinity Alliance. Focus on social, the social gospel. Focus on pro, being programmatic. <coughs> you know, our, all of our outreach programs need to be, they, they have to be programs. Outreach <laughs> is about creating this, this program for people to get involved in, to engage in. This is what I would call easy influence. And the results are a lot of outreach events, a lot of programs, a lot of missions, but very little compassion. Compassion. Very little intimacy and very little creativity. You know, when, ch- when churches have all these programs for how they can influence the community, and they tell you this is how you're going to influence the community is by getting involved in this program. That just it it squelches creativity. Now, now it's all about this pro. This is the only way to do it. Instead of ev- I mean, everybody in here has a different way that we could influence the community. The creativity that God has in this room is amazing. So those are some ways that we can build on this foundation that is Jesus. The wood, if you will. The hay and the straw. But what about if we were to build with gold, silver, and precious stones? These are the materials that are hard to use. They are not easy to manipulate. They are difficult. They're costly. They're rare. They're mysterious sometimes. But they're imperishable. And they're eternal. So when the fire comes, they won't burn down. And it's simply these things. First of all, building Jesus' name. We don't build our name. We build Jesus' name. And building Jesus' name means that we know, know who He is. Which again goes back to the relationship piece. That we would know who God is. You know, that relationship we have with God is eternal. It's imperishable. At the end of time, when the fires of judgment come through, that relationship will stand the test of the fire. And we will get to enjoy that relationship for all eternity. To build Jesus' name means that we need to focus on the internal. That we need to focus on heart modification, not behavior modification. We need to focus on eternal sanctification. Eternal sanctification comes through an understanding and a knowledge of who God is and who He created us to be. Living in that. It's hard work. It's not something that comes easy. First of all, it's dangerous. Imagine standing in the presence of an all-powerful, all-knowing God. So many of us come to Christ, but we're afraid to ever face God face-to-face. This is why we don't have silent prayer in our life. This is why when we go to pray, if we're going to pray, we're constantly telling Him what we want Him to do for us, because to have silence and, and having a moment for Him to speak to us It's just too darn scary. It's dangerous. What is He going to say to me? What is He going to reveal to me? It's dangerous. It's also humbling to be before a God like this. Because when we do see Him face to face, not only do we see who He is, but we do see who we are. have a Christian subculture that has got a problem with sin. And the problem is not that, you know, sin exists. We know that happens. But the problem is that we don't admit it. We have so many Christians who come to Christ without ever repenting. And then we have so many Christians who are continuing in their life and they don't ever recognize their sin. And I would argue that the reason that they don't ever recognize their sin is because they're not Sitting in the presence of God, looking into His face, so that they can only know Him, but they can know themselves. This hard work is also a lifelong process. It is impossible to rush the process of getting to know. We want it to be easy and quick. We just want it to make it happen. If I just do these three things, if I start this Bible study, if I pray these prayers, if I show up on Sunday morning, if I get a part of the worship team, then I will grow and I will know God. You know, it, it Just rush, rush, rush. It, it, we can't do it. It's a lifelong process. We will continue to get to know God. And it takes time. We can't rush it. If we build Jesus' name, then the result will be this, simply thus we get to sit in the presence of the Almighty God peace, of joy, with His love, knowing that we're accepted, knowing exactly who He is and exactly who we are in His presence. We get to experience this in real life. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path from, for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the desert, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can also build on the foundation, Jesus' kingdom. Not our kingdom Jesus's kingdom and this is about knowing his family knowing his people again it's about relationship that we would be engaged relationally with God's family this is his kingdom right here in this room this it's his kingdom though it's not our kingdom it's not my kingdom it's not Trinity Alliance's kingdom this is Jesus's kingdom and if we want to build his kingdom then we need to know about his kingdom We need to be interacting with one another to understand what's really going on. Again, this is why connection groups are so important because this is where we really find out the life stories behind the people that we interact with on Sunday morning. And when we build Jesus' kingdom, it's amazing what happens to the church because all of a sudden it becomes a diverse place. It's not filled with a whole bunch of people that just look like us. There's ethnic diversity. There's generational diversity. We have so many churches in this world today that are filled with a whole bunch of people, and sometimes they're mega churches, sometimes they're small churches, that are filled with a whole bunch of people that all believe the same, think the same, do the same. It's just, it's, everything is the same. It's like this homogenous community all around the world. And this is not the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus' kingdom is diverse. It includes all of the races. It includes everyone. It's not just going to be a bunch of white people in heaven, right? We all know this. It's also not just going to be a bunch of Calvinists in heaven. There's going to be Armenians there as well. And there's going to be Wesleyans, and there's going to be, you know what, there's not just going to be Alliance, there's going to be Baptists, there's going to be, you know what I'm saying? It's it's the diverse community. The kingdom of Jesus is not homogenous. But to know and to build the the kingdom of Jesus is hard work, it's dangerous, because people will hurt you. They're, They're going to do things that hurt you, they're going to stab you in the back, they're going to say things that are painful. to get along with someone who has a different view than you. Maybe strong theological differences. Maybe strong just perspective on life differences. How do we get along? How do we do that? That's not easy. That's hard. It's painful. It's also humbling because we say stuff that we shouldn't, and that means we've got to ask for forgiveness. It also means we've got to give forgiveness to recognize that this is forever. That we can't just hold that sin over them, that, that spoken word over them for their whole life. Because here's the deal, you know, when we get to eternity, it's still, they're still there. <laughs> We've got to deal with forgiveness, it's humbling, it's also a lifelong problem. There's no substitute for experiencing life together. You know, when you invite someone over to your house to have a meal, there's just something that happens in that evening of sharing a meal together around a table in somebody's home it's an experience that you can you cannot replace that you can't substitute it for anything else journeying in life together is an experience and it takes our whole life to do it it's not just something that we do for a period of time and then we move on it's hard work It's dangerous and humbling and lifelong, but if we do it, the result is that we feel comfortable in the family. That this becomes a place that truly is home. This is a place where you can, in a sense, kick your shoes off and relax and be together. Because we know each other. We've, We've hurt each other, but we've forgiven each other as well. We know we have different perspectives, but we also know that we all have the same perspective of Jesus. I'm going to read this passage again read it last week, but it's so good because it talks about what this looks like in the church. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added (coughs) to the day to all those who were being saved. This is... The experience of those who are building Jesus' kingdom. That we're, we're working together. We're family. Finally, we can build with, we can build on the foundation with by building, excuse me, Jesus' fame. <coughs> Not our fame, but Jesus's fame. And how do we build his fame? But we have to know his creation. That's what he's seeking to influence. That's what he's seeking to change. The the, the lost world is who he's seeking to draw to himself, to restore that relationship. And again, it's about relationship with the world. And again, it's about this relationship with the world that is imperishable and eternal. That as we draw people to Christ, as they find Jesus and bow their knee to Jesus as Lord, then that relationship is now cemented for all of eternity. It's about soul care. We wouldn't just be worried about people's physical needs, but we would be looking in people's hearts and looking for what they need in their soul to recognize that they need Jesus, to recognize that they were created by Jesus and that their Creator is calling them back to Himself, that they were created to be in relationship with God. Again, it's hard work. It's dangerous, first of all, because the world will oftentimes reject us. When we reach out and try to develop that relationship, they, they just turn their backs to us. Even more than that, sometimes they'll attack us. Right? In our country, it's getting to be more and more that way. It used to be we didn't have to worry about that here in America, but that's not true anymore. We're beginning to have people attack us. We go up to them and try to love them and share the love of Christ with them, and they will attack us for it. And so it's a dangerous work. This is not easy. It's not just as simple as having some outreach program. It's not as simple as just going on some short-term mission trip. It's hard work. It's also humbling because the world has a tendency to reveal our weaknesses and our sensitivities. Because they're really good at calling our hypocrisy. We step out and give them something, oh yeah, that's great for you, but what about this, or what about this, or what? And it challenges us. Reveals our weaknesses in understanding who God is. Reveals our weaknesses in our own ability to deal with our own sin it's also hard work because it's a lifelong work I know that I know that outreach programs have success in bringing conversions that they can go out there and all of a sudden someone's ready to pray the prayer in a sense or to give their life to Christ and they're ready to go but I would say that that is a rare thing Because the reality of every life that comes to Christ is that it is a lifelong process. We never know when a person is going to be ready to bow their knee to Jesus as Lord. We never know that. And so we can't just say, okay, we're going to go out for an afternoon and do an outreach program and pray that God will bring people to Christ. I mean, I understand that mentality, but to think that that would be a successful way to bring people to Jesus is just beside me. I mean, there's times we can do that, and I think we should do that. But to make that the only way that we reach out into this world with the love of Jesus is just asinine. It's crazy. The love of Jesus cannot be communicated in an afternoon. The love of Jesus is communicated throughout a person's life when they're journeying through the dirt of this world. We have to be there in those times too. We have to spend time with them individually to know their hurts, to know their pains, to say that we don't know the answer, but Jesus is the answer, and I'll be here for you, and I'll pray for you, and I don't know if that'll make a difference, but I love you nonetheless. This is is evangelism, this is influence, this is building Jesus' kingdom, this is building Jesus' fame. Because then the person at the end doesn't look just to us and say, wow, what a great person this was. But they realize that it was Jesus who inspired us to continue in that relationship to continue to spend that time, even though the person would reject us, even though the person over and over again rejected us, even though the person was really hard to get along with, even though they were evil and mean to us, we still stuck it out and continued to do it, and they go, you know what? No human being can do that. The only one who can do that is a God, and that's Jesus, right? to grow building is our job but we build on the foundation of Jesus but if we look at just that and start focusing in on the planting and the building pieces we can feel maybe a bit overwhelmed because it is hard work and, and we, we can think that how am I going to how am I Deepen my engagement with God and relationship with Him. it mean, just—it's so hard for me to do it. It's hard to spend the time. It's hard to to make the time. It's hard to even when I'm doing it. It just doesn't feel right takes and my life isn't changing and and so it can be difficult and then we can look at relationships in the church and that's can be really hard too, especially for some of us who aren't very good at having conversations or even asking questions of people. What do I say and how do I ask them the question and what do I do? It's so difficult. And then and then going out in the world and trying to love people in the world when it's just so uncomfortable. And sometimes they say things that just ah, oh, it's so hard to ignore and sometimes they do things that just so painful to watch and really what's the, I never see any fruit so I, so we can look at all of these things and we can get a little bit depressed maybe and go, ah, this is just impossible but thankfully Paul continues to write in chapter 3 and he says these amazing words the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you we don't do this alone The Holy Spirit dwells in you. We we don't have to just try to develop this relationship with God on our own. The Holy Spirit is in us. It is God who is in us. We have the presence of God in us already. So it's not about trying to create this relationship with God. We already have the relationship. All that we lack is our ability to enjoy and experience that relationship more fully. And that's because we have the Spirit. And He is working in us to make that a reality. And the amazing thing about the Spirit is that we just give a little bit and He expands it. He multiplies it. If we just give a moment to spend a couple of minutes in silence before God, the Spirit makes that almost like it was an hour of quiet before God. That's what He does. He's multiplying those little steps that we take. Relationship with people in the church, right? If we just ask the question, if we just... Just get, open up our mouths and say, how are you today? Or how was your week, right? And, and, and the Spirit will use that to expand that into a whole paragraph that communicates beautiful things about who you are and encourages them to and share from them as well, from their heart as well. It's amazing. When we just reach out and hold a hand, the Spirit puts his arm around him and gives him a hug. We have the Holy Spirit within us. It is not us doing this alone. We are not alone. Spirit to do this. We can't convert anybody. We can't bring anybody to Christ. We can't even very well share the love of Christ. But with the Spirit, we are empowered to be able to do that. To know who to talk to. To know when to talk. To be able to know what to say. It's amazing what the Spirit does. When we just make eye contact, the Spirit multiplies that and the Spirit makes soul contact. Do you get that? Do you understand? When we just step out, the Spirit steps in. We just need to have the boldness, the courage to take the step out. And then see what the Spirit does with that. So the amazing thing is, is, yes, we are to plant. And we are to build. And that takes a lot of hard work on our part. But here's the deal. The success is because, any success we have is because the Spirit is in us. The Spirit is doing this. He's working with us. Understand that this is the eternal, uh, these are the eternal uh, materials that will survive the judgment fire. The relationship with God, the relationship with each other, and the relationship with God's creation, those are the relationships that will last for all eternity. Those are the only things that are worthy to build on this amazing foundation of Jesus Christ. May we be a church that is focused building His name, His kingdom, His name. Worship team, please come forward. Just a couple of thoughts to conclude the chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. First of all, God is sovereign. And our job is to plant relationships with Him, with His family, and with His creation. Jesus is The foundation of the church, and we are to build on that foundation his reputation, his name, his kingdom, his fame, his influence. And the Spirit is with us, and because the Spirit is with us, we are with God already. But we also are his family already. You know, when you came a Christian, you became part of God's family. T- to think that somehow that you don't have to be a part of this. You are a part of this already. And that no matter how much you feel connected to this church or not, you need to understand that this is your family. So get to know us. Spend some time with us. But you are already His family. And finally, we are His message. Whether you realize it or not, God is using you to communicate His love to this world. Already, right now. You are His message. You are the testimony of Jesus and who, who He is and what He did and His love for this world. It's, it's, you, you don't have to do anything to make that. You don't have to learn the Bible better so that you can you know, be, a, be the message of God. You don't have to go through some of the evangelistic training in order to figure out how to be the message of God. Amen. You already are, because you have the Spirit in you. You already are the message. You're already communicating to this world something. It's Jesus. So go out of this world, in your life with Christ, in your quiet times. In your times on Sunday morning and connection groups during the week and engage in these relationships for His glory and for our blessing. Amen.